Art of the Assistant. Brought to you from the hills of almost heaven, West Virginia. A podcast created to encourage and assist those who are sitting in the second chair of their ministries and organizations. All right. Well, hey, everyone joining us. Thank you. We are excited about our podcast today and our interview coming up today. Dan and I found out that in 2021, when we really dove into these podcasts, we were curious to see what our number one listened podcast was. And what we found out, it was the one where we interviewed somebody. So we, we thought, well, nobody wants to hear us. They just want to hear everybody else. So we thought, <laughs> let's, let's start with a bang this time. And, and so we are thankful to have um, Carrie Schmidt with us. And many of you listeners know uh, Carrie. You've, you've been under his teaching at one time or another at a conference or somewhere else. And we're just thrilled to have him on and talking to us about what it takes to be an assistant. And 20 plus years as an assistant and Lancaster Baptist and now pastoring with many assistants coming in and out of his ministry um, there in Connecticut. We know he has a lot to offer and just a lot for us to learn from. So, Carrie, thank you for being with us and joining us today. Hey, it's great to meet you guys and great to be here. Thank you for the invitation, and the opportunity. I love to talk about this stuff and hopefully we can encourage some guys. That's good. That's that's what we want to do. And, you know, we started this, you know, 2020, the end of 2020, because it seems like, you know, with the books and articles and blogs that, that you read or books on leadership, everything's geared towards the pastor, the senior pastor. And there's so little out there for the guys that that are assistants or associates and you know, it's we wanted to do something that just kind of gets practical and real with these guys to encourage them and and help them along the way. Yeah. And and so so early on, I mean, you were telling us, Gary, 17 years old, you started with with Pastor Chapel and the, the church there and getting it rolling. And then you um, came right out of school. And did they hire you right on as an associate pastor? Or did you start like as an intern or how did that work? So I was. Um happy to find out I could cram four years of Bible college into three. So I did that. Graduated early. Most, uh, most do five. Oh man, <laughs> I hated college. I just wanted to get out and uh, God. And, uh, and I wanted to, I was hoping that God would take me back to Lancaster because of my friendship with Pastor Chapel and my yeah. experience there when he moved there. But uh, God did that. And, and he hired me and Dana right out of college. Okay. Um, and we, traveled across country right after our graduation. We graduated in, in May and we joined the staff July 1st. Hmm. Um, and my title then was assistant pastor. And then as the church grew, um, that title transitioned to associate, which um, at first had some real significance to it. And then over the years kind of got watered down, basically okay. just oversaw different departments of ministry over the years. Okay, wonderful. So, so as you you were rolling there and getting started and kind of doing um, ministry, and obviously you had a history um, with the pastor. As you were going, I think one question that comes up, and and I just heard someone say this the other day. Uh, actually, it was a senior pastor preaching a sermon, and he said, "You know, I've got to make a confession to the congregation right now. I was so arrogant when I was an assistant pastor." that I almost approached my pastor and told him that I didn't think the way he was doing it was the right way and that maybe we should do it this way. And he said, you know, that was pride and arrogancy on my part. And I just needed to learn to submit to what the senior pastor wanted. So when you were there and you were working with Pastor Chapel, especially as you guys were just getting started, I mean, were there times where you felt like it was okay to sit down and talk about those things? Or do you feel that, hey, 
you just go with the senior pastor. Can you say no? Are you allowed to disagree? How does that work in ministry? I would say there was plenty of, of, of both. Uh, I look back on my younger self and I just want to apologize to everybody that knew me. <laughs> <laughs> I'll probably feel that way when I'm 65 about my 53 right. year old self. Now uh -huh. um, I, I had a lot to learn. My heart was certainly in the right place and I got into ministry, loved it, loved serving God. Uh, I hope pastor chapel would testify to the fact that I tried to be the very best staff member I could be. Um, but when I say there's both, there's plenty of times that, uh, we had back and forth and, and, okay. you know, we saw things differently. Um, there were times that was welcomed and times that it wasn't welcome. Mm -hmm. And that's the lead, leader's prerogative. Um, and at the end of the day, I knew, you know, my place. So when I, when I found out that my input wasn't welcome or my view was, wasn't the same, that then it was my job to be as supportive as I could. Mm -hmm. um, and fortunately, I was never really placed into a position where uh, there was some ethical or, or other issue that I felt like I really had to go, you know, and, and, and fight a battle. I, I have some friends that have gone through that. But thankfully, Pastor Chapel never put me to that place because yeah. he was an honorable uh, man in that respect. But, but I, I was probably, I was probably more presumptuous than than I would be now if I were back in that role. Right, right. So so with guys coming with you, have you, as a senior pastor, have you had some assistants approach you and say, hey, I'm not sure if we should be doing this? Have you had that there? Or do they know better? They just stay away. Define, define that, <laughs> if we should be doing okay, this. Okay, so, so let's say that um, it's the Easter, it's Easter service, and you want to have, you know, you want to have pictures for families when people come in. And one of the assistants come to you and say, hey, I don't think that's a good idea. Do they have the lead way to do that? And how does that conversation go? Um, yeah, we, we I would say earlier on and, and there's a, this is my 10th year at Emmanuel. I would say the first five or six years I was significantly more maybe distressed or stressed uh, about the survival of the ministry and the school, the church and the school. This hmm. was a very tenuous journey. Okay. Um, and, and I think there were a lot more times in the first five, six, seven years that I led out of uh, fear and mm -hmm. maybe anxiety. I was dealing with a lot of, is this going to work? Um, and then when you hire staff, you're bearing the burden of their paycheck as well. I say you're bearing the burden. That's probably the problem. Like I shouldn't be bearing the burden, right? He should be, God should be, but I was, and, and it, it created anxiety in me that that would tend to come out at times in the interactions if I had a strong opinion about how I wanted it done. The way we've navigated that is um, really by admitting our own insecurities and becoming more self-aware, like me becoming more self-aware of my own anxiety and my own insecurities and, and the staff member becoming aware of, of their earlier on inexperience or whatever. And then, and then having an environment, having a relationship and environments where we can have those conversations in a way that they're not tied to our identities. We're not personally attacking each other, hmm. but we're hashing out. I hope if you talk to my team, our team now, that they would tell you what I'm going to tell you now. We hardly ever have any tension 
um, every now and then, but very rarely. When I feel it, um, used to maybe threaten me or make me feel like, what's going on here? But, and my, how do I, gotta be careful how I say this. Um, I try not to default to just the leadership, the senior leaders, ace card, trump card, hey, it's my way, you know, I'm in charge. Mm -hmm. We're all tempted, I think, to do that as senior leaders. And I want a culture where we can share ideas and be deferential. And yet I need a team that also really does understand that I've got to answer for it first to the Lord and then to everybody else. And when everybody else has an issue with it, they don't go to the assistant pastors. They come to me, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. so I got to deal with it. And yeah. um, we don't always see things exactly, but I find we really do defer well to each other. And as they mature, which they've matured incredibly. Uh, and as I get older and dumber, um, <laughs> I find a lot of times I defer to their ideas. They've already caught my heart. And uh, sometimes when I let my idea go and go with theirs, it, it goes really well. Um, so I love that. I love that dynamic. And I love the dynamic of building the relationship of trust that allows us to have those open and honest conversations without damaging us. Yeah. Do you think, do you think that trust comes because of those conversations? I mean, it's the conversations you've had over the years with them that's built that. So in they part, know. Yes. In part, yes. Um, it's the trust that allows the conversations and it's the trust that does kind yeah. of fuel the, the ability to have them. I would say the starting point of those conversations is sitting down and, and, and humbling yourself and, and going, you know, the reason I'm sometimes tense or the reason I'm sometimes anxious or is this. You know, and being able to be really honest about your own insecurities and struggles together mm -hmm. is something that not, not a lot of church staffs have. And, and yeah. I cherish that. No, that's really good. Yeah. I, I sat down with my assistant, you know, just a couple of days ago, I was like, man, I'm, I'm tired of living in the book of Job and just kind of sharing my heart, you know, of what I'm going through. And I, I think that's important that you can have those relationships. And, but as we know, there's some guys probably listening right now saying, man, I wish I had that. Yes. Because, you know, some of those guys, they, they feel like they're on an island by themselves. Their pastors are, you know, I want to be careful again how I say it, but it's that idea of the man of God. And they're they're over there. And, you know, I'm just here to clean the floors and shine the shoes and things like that. And and they don't have that. Yeah. And, you know, I feel for them and because it's, it's wonderful to have that relationship. And and even if I know, like with my guys, if I know, man, we're not seeing eye to eye, I'll say, hey, let's go get a cup of coffee. Mm -hmm. and, and then we'll just go down, we'll get a cup of coffee and, and let, let's just talk about it. Let me, let me tell you why, but you know, again, like you said, I tell them all the time, listen, whether it's the school or the church, when you go to a restaurant and things are really bad, you want to talk to who you want to talk to the manager right? and, or, or corporate or whatever. And if things go really bad here, it's my phone that's going to ring. That's exactly right. And so just, so I want you guys to be, I want you guys to be aware of that and to know that. So when, when you're looking at staff, do you have any new assistants with you now, Carrie, or these guys have been with you for a while? Um, we have, I want to say seven. One is the administrator of the school. Okay. And we just added a pastoral staff member uh, six or seven months ago. His name is Keith Birdsong. Okay. And then we just added, actually, yesterday, not a pastoral staff, but definitely a key leader, um, what we call a ministry administrator. 
Okay. Um, and he's, he's a man that retired from a long career in the defense uh, world and um, has an MBA and burden to serve. And I've known him for many, many years. And uh, he came on to, to really come alongside of me and help administrate a lot of stuff that I, I I'm juggling. And it's, That's I'm good. really happy about. That's good. So, so you've, you've been to Israel, you just got back, you hired a new staff member and here you are today. Yeah, it's been a little crazy. Um, you know, I came into, usually I have a break in February. Uh, we've been talking about this administrative position for months and months. Uh, and his retirement was finished in January. So starting now was good. And then I moved, I missed a Holy Land trip in January because of COVID. Uh, the, 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 the Omicron variant was spiking. I didn't want to get stuck in the country. Yeah. So I was able to tuck it in in early March and Boy, did my soul need it. It was great. Praise the Lord, man. That's awesome. That's that's great. I, I've yet to go, but it's definitely on the to-do list. You got oh, to get to Israel soon. Go. When, got, our, when um, we took over. January. But, okay. So, that, you know Kurt? Great. You know Kurt Skelly? I, we've not met. I know who he is. We've not met. Yeah. You ought to come with us in January. It's just pastors and their wives. And it's and that'd be it's great. Be great yeah. That'd be great. Yeah. When I took over for the senior pastor that retired, he said, you know, one thing I want, and that's the church to pay for trade to go to Israel whenever he wants to go. So it's there. I just need to do it. It's completely life-changing. I've been three times taking a group in November. I'm going with the pastors in January. I'm telling you, nothing can touch it It, for for your ministry and for your soul. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, definitely have to, definitely have to do that. So with these new guys then that you've brought on, is there something, you know, that you know when you're interviewing these guys or do these guys that are listening and they say, man, I just, I just want to be the best assistant pastor I can be. What is it, Carrie, that you think sets these guys apart that, that helps them survive? You know, when you were working with, with Pastor Chapel in, in Lancaster, you know, what, what were some key things that God had to teach you in order for you to become that assistant you needed to be to him and, and what you're looking for in these guys that are with you? Yeah, I think, um, you know, it begins with just a strong, a deep sense of call, not only to, to the Lord and to ministry, um, but, but to uh, that appointment of God in that time of your life. Mm. Um, and that, that sense of call is what kind of keeps you buoyant uh, against all kinds of adversity and challenges. I think, secondly, what I want from, from, from the team that I'm the guys that I've hired next to that call and that clear directing of God, like I, I don't want them coming to Emmanuel because of some, something they perceive to be a perk or attractive to them. I yeah. want them to know that God is drawing them. The second thing I want to see is, is the right uh, raw gift mix and skill set mm. for the position. And, um, that is that's important because we can we have a tendency as as human beings to want to be things that God hasn't called us to do or be, um, and it's really important that we that when we get into ministry we know we're operating in the zone of of gifts and and abilities that God's given to us even though they're raw. The third thing I'm looking for is humility and teachability. So and I think those kind of come in a package that. I don't want somebody that's going to come in and just, I know it all. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and right. I, I certainly didn't do that with pastor chapel because I didn't know it all. Right. Um, I, I, I want my team, our team to be teachable um, and humble in the sense of 
let, let me understand how this place works. What's the culture? What's the philosophy? Um, and <clears throat> men, <clears throat> excuse me, mentorability. And uh, a lot of pastors don't give themselves to mentoring. Um, but that's one of my, that's, I feel like that's one of my most important roles uh, in life is to try to try to help the next generation of guys coming behind me, whether that's on my staff or in other ways, but they have to be teachable, you know? And if you give me a guy that's called and gifted in the right ways and teachable and oh my goodness, look out, you know, yeah. God's going to do something wonderful. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I try, I do the same. That's, that's why I bring guys on Lord willing. We're bringing on an intern this summer. So I can just spend two years with him, you know, pouring into him and preparing him for what God has next for them. And, and my goal is, Hey, listen, if I, if I do die of a heart attack one day that these guys are ready, you know, yeah. they, they could step up if that's what the Lord wanted and, and to take over because yeah. I've, I poured myself into that. Or if they go to another ministry, then I don't want the church to call me and say, Hey, who did you send to me? Who is this guy? Right. But I want right. them to come and say, Hey, thank you. Thank you for sending me this guy. This is exactly what we needed. Yeah. I think that's important with that. And, and for those guys to be willing. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, what you just said is so, so important that I might be preparing our team to serve here for a long time, mm -hmm. but I also might be preparing somebody's future pastor. Right. And I ought to be ecstatic either way, you know, because I get to put into somebody else that is going to multiply the gospel. Yeah, that's, that's, that's exactly, that's exactly it. And I, th I think that's important. And again, we did a podcast not too long ago, but we, we actually got an email from an assistant pastor that said, Hey, my pastor does not mentor. He's not pouring into me. What am I supposed to do? Like, oh man, my heart goes out to that guy. Heartbreaking. Yeah. And, but you know, it doesn't have to be your pastor. You know, you can, you know, call me or call someone on the phone and just talk and, and listen to other men and pick their brains, send them emails, read some books. I mean, it's going to have to be a self-taught thing, but mm -hmm. there, there are other people that can pour into you to help you, or even a pastor across town that you can meet for coffee and ask questions to that be willing to do that. Yeah. And I, you know, I would tell that guy too, have, make sure you ask, yeah. um, you know, Proverbs says counsel is in the heart of a man is like a deep well and a, a wise man will draw it out. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of pastors, it's not their go-to move. They're not instinctively going to go mentor their, in fact, sometimes they think I'm hiring an assistant, uh, to, to do, to, to, take stuff off of me, you know, not to add to my, to my work role or in terms of mentoring. But if that assistant pastor would go and say, Hey, here's what I say to guys that I hope will mentor me some, and I still seek out mentors, but I'll say to somebody, I know you're busy and I know uh, you don't have a lot of time, but mm -hmm. I promise you this, whatever you give me in terms of mentoring or input or time and attention, I promise you, I will be a good steward of, and I'll multiply for the kingdom. Hmm. And uh, maybe that, that guy's pastor will respond favorably to that. Yeah. Who knows? That's wise. That's, that's really good. And yeah, I think that's, that's important. And so when you're, when you're dealing with these guys, you know, you made this statement, Carrie, that, Hey, these guys might be with me for a long time, or I might be, you know, seeing them off. Is there, is there these guys, you know, again, we have this mentality. I'll go back to Bible college you know, a guest speaker will come in and, you know, it's preacher boys. How many of you are going to be a missionary? You know, how many of you are going to be an evangelist? How many of you are going to be a senior pastor? They never ask how many are going to be an assistant, but 90% of them probably will. Right. 
And, and, but in the back of their minds, it's man, one day I'll be a real pastor. And, and is there a way to find my true identity just as an assistant and not always be striving for the one day and, and how, you know, 22 years, that was a long time. And how did you find contentment and satisfaction? You said, you know, it took a life-changing event in your life to shake you up and show you it was time to move on. But how do you find that contentment in your identity as an assistant or as an associate pastor? Man, that's a big question, Treg, and I'll try to answer it concisely. I do uh, completely abhor the idea that there's a real pastor and then just assistance. You know, mm-hmm. I think that is tragic. I mm-hmm. think um, I tell our church at Emmanuel, these are our pastors and they're all pastors and yeah, I'm the senior leader in terms of you're going to blame me if things go bad. But um, but in terms of pastoral care and nurture and teaching, the ground is level. And I, I am happy to be a part of a team. These are not little minions of Pastor Carey. These are pastors. They're ordained, they're trained, and they can help you, you know. Amen. And I, I, want, I don't want to be the solo guy. Um, so I want to validate that role, but I do, I do know pastors and I have seen the model where no, only the senior pastor is the pastor and, and has a pastor's heart and everybody right. else are just minions, you know, and I've even heard pastors say, you're here for me. You're here. And I, I understand there's a positive and a negative connotation to that. You're here to help me. It's not a bad thing to say, but in the sense that it's like proprietary, <laughs> uh, that's a little dangerous. Um, like I own you, you're mine, and um, you can't buy a car or move, make a decision without talking to me. That's a little scary. But um, I, I'll be honest with you. I never aspired to be a senior pastor. Uh, I loved being a second, third, whatever man. I loved, I loved being a support man. I loved helping to take another man's vision and make it, you know, put it together. Um, I found great fulfillment in that. It was a joy, a privilege. Um, there was a lot about senior pastoring. Frankly, I was afraid of that's probably my, my Achilles heel is just being a a wimp, just being afraid of stuff. Uh, and I, and I didn't want to deal with the burdens of finances and, and payroll and senior leader, you know, burdens. I liked that someone else was dealing with all that and I could focus strictly on ministry. Um, so having done now one for 22 years and one for 10, I would tell you honestly before the Lord, I could function joyfully, contentedly in either role. Wow. Uh, if God called me back into, I told the deacons not long ago, if you ever want somebody else to be the senior pastor, I'll be happy to be an assistant again. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I, it's not an ego thing. Um, I don't think anybody stays in the senior pastorate for very long just for the perks or the ego or the gratification because it's not there. I mean, there's definitely there's advantages to either role and there's disadvantages to either role. And on the surface, if you're evaluating those, I think the thing that keeps a pastor in his role is, is a call and a love for people. But I would just challenge the guys that listen to this number one, to recognize in the will of God and in the uh, gospel that any role in ministry is as valuable as any other role in ministry. Yes. And the new Testament makes that very clear. Um, 
you know, there's, there's, there's the Pauls that write the epistles, but then there's the unnamed couriers that walked that epistle from Corinth to Rome, you know, yeah. like what in the world? Nobody even knows. Well, maybe we do. If I look at, looked at the fine print, but you know, yeah. nobody knows who did all that behind the scenes work, but they were absolutely essential. And I just, I wrote this, I wrote a book about it, finding your identity in gospel values and in Christ and not in the title or in the visibility or the prominence. You know, we sometimes we're taught in ministry that success is numbers and size and title and achievement, but that's just a secular model being brought in. Mm -hmm. um, success is obedience. Bottom line, success is obedience. And if God call, tells me be an assistant and I obey him, then that is absolutely successful. That's right, man. That's, that is so good. And I think, man, if, if, if Dan, if those guys got a hold of that, that'd be life-changing. Now, Dan, do you get the perks of a free coffee at the church coffee shop as a pastor? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. You know, but yeah, and, for sure. Care, you're right. I mean, it's, yeah, we could say it's success, but man, this, like you've mentioned a few times, it's the stress. Um, but why, why haven't we walked away? Because this is, this is where God's called me. Yeah. You know, why are we shoveling snow and not sand? Cause this is, this is where God's called me to be and, right. and why we don't quit because we know this is where, this is where we're supposed to be. This is, right. this is who I am. This is where God has me. And I think for those assistants, just understand too, you're not more spiritual in the eyes of God. If, if you become that senior pastor, right. You know, it's God's working in you in that position where you are to mold you and to make you and who he wants you to be. And that takes right. obedience. Yeah. And, and certainly where you are. Uh, Patrick Lencioni wrote a book called The Motive. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, in it, he asked this question. And it's sort of a, a corporate view of this, but it, it has huge ministry implications. He, he, he makes the point that sometimes we want a title more than we want a function. Mm -hmm. Um, and the, here's what's, what's ironic about my title is different assistant pastor, senior pastor, my function in rudimentary foundational ways is very similar. I'm caring for and discipling and teaching the Bible to people. Yeah. Um, and so the question I would say to the guys that are in a hurry to be senior pastors is, well, there's number one, you ought to read the call by Oz Guinness. You ought to read, am I called by Dave Harvey? just to vet your own heart. But the question that Patrick Lencioni raises in the book is, do you want to do what a senior pastor does or do you just want to be a senior pastor? Hmm. And it's kind of a vetting of, do I want the title or the responsibility? Yeah. Um, because yeah, I've got maybe autonomy with my, let's say my work week schedule, uh, you know, more than my, more than the staff would. But I also have a lot more responsibility and pressure and sources of stress than they would have. My life is a lot less predictable than theirs would be. Mm -hmm. So there's give and take. Um, and if you want the title and maybe the, 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 the perks, if we could call it that, that come with being a senior leader anywhere, then you, you've got to look at the responsibility and go, but do I want to do that responsibility right. Right. faithfully, consistently? Because that at the end of the day, that's what it is. It's, it's a massive responsibility and it's, that is intimidating and scary to anybody who really understands it. 
And if it's not, you don't need to be in that position. Exactly. You know, it is. I remember the first time, I mean, I was an assistant for 16 years and the first meeting when it just hit me, wait a second, I'm the one that's got to make that decision. Mm-hmm. You know, before it was always, you know, deflect, was, let's see what the pastor is going to decide. Yeah. Now it's like, oh, I am the pastor. I've got to yeah. make this decision. Oh, man. Yeah. And, and it's, it's, it's just, yeah, it's, it's sometimes difficult to do. And I think, I think that's so true. And I think too, Carrie, would you say there's a lot of guys out there that are in that position of senior pastor now that probably shouldn't be, but it was all because they did, they wanted the title. Now that the responsibilities come, I don't like this. So two years later, I'm going to another church and what's got to be better in another church and they're running, but they're not running from churches. They really ran from their call and they probably shouldn't even be there. Yeah. yeah. They're searching more for an identity. Mm-hmm. Then they are operating and living out of the one they already have. Yeah. And they're looking for a title or the next church or the next thing to give them that sense of identity. And uh, that's, that's a bad thing. What ends up happening, Trey, is instead of me, see, the way this is built is I'm supposed to bring my gospel fullness, the love of God, and my identity to the church. Mm-hmm. And it's a life of giving to the church. But if I'm chasing an identity and a title and achievement, then what I'm doing is I'm coming empty to the church saying subconsciously, we wouldn't verbalize it this way, but here's what I'm saying. I want you people and this place and this title to give to me the sense of identity and and achievement and uh, significance that I'm after in life. So the whole model is the opposite. The motive is give me a sense of meaning instead of let me give you the nurturing and shepherding Mm. care that you need. Um, And it would be, now it's not to say the pastor doesn't receive from the congregation. He does, but it's one before the other. The shepherd is there to care for the sheep. And if you don't want to care for sheep, then please don't pretend to be a sheep caregiver just for what the sheep give to you. That's a really bad place to go. That's right. That's right. Because sometimes the sheep can bite. Yeah. And, but ultimately, but, we've got to give an account to the great shepherd for how we cared for his sheep. That's right. And boy, if I exploited his sheep, that's going to be a sad day to give account. It is. It absolutely is. Man, Carrie, I, I, I could go on forever, but let's do this again. You need to recover from jet lag too. So we'd love to have you back on. And, and part of this podcast, this right here, guys, you need to listen to this two or three times and gather this, get those books, you know, and, and read them as well, just signifying your call and where you need to be and making sure you know what God has for you. Dan, any, any words as we close? I've just enjoyed listening. Yeah. Carrie, any final words to those guys that are listening today to of encouragement as they continue on in the service of the Lord? Uh, take, play the long game. I mean, just look, look at your ministry as a lifetime uh, journey, and God will get you through the hard times, the low times. Uh, hold on to Jesus. Don't, lo- don't, don't compromise your commitment to your family mm. and your life balance. You, if you're young married, little kids, they need time from you. Don't yeah. sacrifice them on the altar of ministry achievement. Um, and just keep obeying the Lord. And growing and, and growing in every way you can. And uh, it it's going to get better and better in terms of fruitfulness. I'm not saying life doesn't have trials. It does. But uh, obedience to God is a good road. 
Well, Kerry, thank you, brother. Man, it was great meeting you. you officially today and, and having you on here. And Wow, that was tremendous. I hope that will be a huge help to you guys as you continue on in your role as an assistant. And we look forward to being with you again in the near future. Have a great day. Well, guys, I hope that was an encouragement and a blessing to you. Man, what a tremendous interview. Take some notes from that, and I hope that'll be an encouragement to you as you continue in your role as an assistant. Have a great day.